the AHA Process webinar podcast series. In this installment, AHA Process author and consultant Amelia O'Neill Baker discusses building your emotional resources using strategic planning, change management, leadership development, and more. Good morning, everybody. I feel very, very happy to see that we have so many people interested in this topic um, of emotional resources. I think this is um, a great tool, not only for ourselves, but I'm seeing that we have a lot of professionals uh, that are working with people in all kinds of um, fields. I see veterans and schools, and I think this is going to be a wonderful, wonderful instrument for you guys. So uh, I, I feel very humbled that you're here. Welcome, and thank you for, for caring. Thank you for caring uh, for others, and of course, for thinking that you can also improve your lives. That's what this book is all about. And um, a little story here, Ruby and, and I uh, met some time ago, and we were talking about how um, bridges out of poverty, getting ahead, and all the other wonderful uh, programs, models that, that are high uses, works very hard to help people improve their lives, how uh, they help participants find resources in the community. And we were also discussing about the importance of finding those resources within ourselves. So we started working on this project. Ruby had already uh, developed one first manual, and she invited me to expand on it. And uh, as you will see when, when you get the book, when you have it with you, it is full of personal stories, personal experiences, because I believe that when we are authentic, when we share ourselves, when we share how we did it, it helps others do it. I know it's a, a hard topic sometimes to open up and say, this is what happened to me and I survived, or this is what happened to me and I was able to overcome all those fears, all those monsters, if you will. So you will find in the book that you have many, many stories, not only our own, but those of participants and clients that we have worked uh, with over the years. So it's it's going to help you understand where this uh, book comes from. And it is also, of course, based on uh, research-based theories models and models that we have developed to work with clients. So it's a combination of life experience with professional experience. So um, while we were developing this book, we were also thinking about the, the people that could benefit from this book. And of course, it is for those people who, like us, as I was sharing with you, have lost their way at some point. We want to recover our stability, we want to recover our wealth and our wholeness. I think as we grow, as we go through life, we lose parts of ourselves because we're trying to belong, we're trying to fit in, we're trying to be loved. So we give up some of our resources or as, as we go, we find out that there are some of those emotional resources that we actually never developed because we were busy surviving. So this is uh, also important to note. It is, of course, a great book for yourself. 
this is a book that you can that you can have at home. You can go through um, every chapter and do the exercises. It is a book very rich in exercises that you can work on at your own pace. Um, you you can just open it wherever it opens and find something useful. Uh, the people that I have shared it with already say that they find it very easy to read, that the exercises are very easy, I would say, um, to follow. Not easy emotionally sometimes, but remember that the only way out of pain is through pain. Um, and by that, I mean we confront those things that we are the most afraid of. We deal with them with the exercises and strategies that we give you, and you come out feeling a lot lighter. It is also a great book if you are uh, part of the getting ahead um, model or if you're working with veterans, if you're working with peer support groups, therapy groups. Of course, if you're a professor, this is a great tool to, to work with master's students, doctoral students, and uh, to supervise them. I think when we are in this profession as volunteers, as professionals, we need to take care of ourselves. We need to be responsible for our own uh, development, our own, our own emotional balance. So this is a great book to teach your students, to teach your participants how to deal with tough stuff, how to deal with losses, how to deal with grief, and how to recover yourself and reintegrate those pieces that you have lost. And of course, when we talk about working with groups, um, we're also talking about some people that may not be ready for uh, a work in a group if they are not being seen or being um, served by mental health professionals. We're talking about a broad range of problems and different symptoms, and we're talking about uh, individuals who may be experiencing abnormal thoughts, um, emotions that, that are not under check, and behaviors and relationships with others that are um, harmful, that are violent. So we're saying that this instrument will be great under uh, supervision, under therapy, and um, we're talking about cases such as deep depression that has not been uh, seen by a professional, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a counselor, um, because if it's uh, an organic depression, as we call it, it may require some, some medication. And we would like for you to feel safe as you go through the, through the book. We would like you to feel secure. So if you are experiencing any of these uh, conditions, borderline personality, schizophrenia, just make sure that you do it with the help of a professional. We are not uh, using this book as, um, as a substitute for professional help. So do not use it as, as a therapeutic tool if you are not uh, certified or qualified to do so. And please, please always have professional community resources available. We always um, suggest that you have a list of uh, people in the community, doctors, uh, psychiatric nurses, psychiatrists, anybody who can help uh, contain emotions that may, you know, um, arise during these exercises. So with that said, uh, let me tell you about how this program works. Um, as, as I was telling you, you can do it by yourself. You can work with your husband, your partner. Uh, this is a great book to share with them or with a friend. 
And of course, if you are in, in a group, it's wonderful. So it's full of exercises that invite you to reflect on your life, on, on the way you deal with problems, with losses, with your emotions. And it has a lot of group activities that you can, as I said, share with one person or with 10 or with 20. And we also offer it as a one-day training on site. And this is great for facilitators, for teachers, for individuals, for everybody. If you are um, working with groups, this is a wonderful tool because, well, the book offers you a bonus webinar where we talk about every chapter and we try to give you some tips as to how to handle the contents of every chapter. But if you come to the training, it's a one-day training where you are going to experience these exercises, you're going to learn how to run them, you're going to learn how to identify emotions, how to contain them, and of course how to refer people who need it to professionals in the community. And uh, the elements of the program are based on energy, on how we handle our energy every day, every moment. And we talk about it in terms of um, what makes us feel good or bad, and we talk about it in terms of awareness, how we can be aware of, of the way we're using our energy, if, we, if it's been healthy or unhealthy, and about stress, and how stress is usually related to uh, words like headaches, irritability, tiredness, um, insomnia, things like that, or anger. But in this book, we explain how energy and stress can be positive in terms of the areas of the brain that are activated and how positive stress helps us create, concentrate, learn, make good decisions, stay focused, meet deadlines. So stress is present in our lives all the time. It, it is um, as a, it's a system that we can turn on or off uh, when we need it. There's also a part of stress that is automatic, and this is your fight and flight reaction, where um, if you see danger, if your brain perceives danger, it sets off this automatic response to keep you alive. So that's why we're able to get out of the way if a car is, is driving very fast towards us, this is how we can protect our children when we feel that they are in danger. And fear and anger are the emotions that are related to this uh, primitive brain, as you can see. The primitive brain is that automatic reaction, and the thinking brain in the front of our heads is the one that helps us think. So when we are under stress or, and we perceive danger in terms of needing to survive, the thinking brain shuts off and helps us just react. This is no time to think or learn. This is just time to stay alive. And this reaction shuts off as soon as the brain perceives that danger is gone. Um, if we talk about uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, if we talk about trauma, we are talking also about this primitive brain that keeps the person in an alert mode all the time. So with PTSD, we're talking about an uh, diminished ability to process information because the brain thinks that we are still having to survive. So it's hard for the person to deal with everyday life. And when, you, when that happens, we're looking now at negative stress where we are just reactive 
we are having a hard time communicating, expressing our needs, our emotions. Uh, people find that they cannot concentrate, they cannot sleep. So if you see, the thinking brain is having a very hard time staying connected. Uh, when we talk about trauma in children, for example, we say that the, the emotional brain gets uh, delayed, if you will. It goes dormant so that the person doesn't suffer the violence or the, or the pain. So when we get out of that situation, we need to fill that gap. So you're going to find this a lot in uh, students who have been victims of violence. Um, also, as we know, poverty produces trauma. So this is also an element that we need to take into consideration if we work with populations that are under-resourced and that have had to survive every day. And of course, uh, once we know how energy works, what stress is, how we are using it, now, uh, as we were talking about accountability, this is a choice we make. We now have to choose how to use our energy. We have to learn what choices are healthy and what choices are not as healthy. In the book, you will find that we talk about pacifiers or distractors, as I, as I call them. Some people, when they are feeling terribly stressed, they put their energy not in solving the problems they're experiencing, but in getting away from them. So that's when we get um, drinking, using drugs, uh, eating too much, shopping. So all of these are, as, as we perceive it, distractors. So you're not concentrating on what you need to concentrate to change, to grow, but are not experiencing pain. The thing is, just as with uh, drugs, this feels good just for a little while. It makes you forget, but the problem is still there. And if we continue to use unhealthy pacifiers, unhealthy choices, we are going to create an addiction and add one more problem to our situation. So we talk a lot about that in the book, in the training. We help you help others and help yourself. Find those patterns that are not healthy for you and ways to create new habits, new behaviors that are going to bring about joy and more balance. And this is an, an example of an exercise that we have where um, you can just look at this chart and say, okay, where is my energy going? How much time am I giving to it? And how much energy in terms, if you will, of percentages? Now you can say, well, do I have any hobbies, any interests, anything that is for me alone? As parents, sometimes we forget that we exist and everything is about the children or everything is about work. Everything is about everybody else except for me. So it's uh, having that, creating that awareness and saying, am I really paying attention to myself, to my health? How much time am I giving to work, to friends, to self-care, to sleeping and eating? We find people, students, veterans that sleep just an hour, two hours a day. And that, of course, is going to affect your brain function. It's going to, uh, to affect your weight, your health. So uh, remember, this program, this book is about awareness, awareness, awareness. And then once I am aware... It's about deciding and choosing what I can change. Of course, making choices, it's not, it is not always easy. It can hurt. 
you can feel that you're feeling worse than before when you're going through changes, but remembering and knowing that you always have a choice makes a difference. Remembering that perhaps changing is better than staying in a place where you're suffering too much, where you cannot take any more abuse or any more losses, helps you say, you know, changing is better for me. It's going to hurt. It's going to feel like I'm not uh, moving forward. But when you sit down and you become aware again, you will see that you are moving forward, that you are feeling lighter, and that your life is feeling much, much better. Uh, something else that we talk about in terms of energy, uh, we talk about those energy eaters that are anxieties, fears, shame, guilt, concerns, problems, and dilemmas. Just reading about it may make some people feel anxious already, right? So I, I talk about this as, as the monsters of change, no? the, the ones that block us. Um, some people talk about shame and guilt as feelings that are not real, that are not our actual uh, expression of our needs. And you will read it in, in that chapter two where we say shame usually hides other feelings such as pain, um, sadness, anger, etc. So it's working with all those feelings and saying, what is it that I need that I really, really need? Um, there's a cycle of experience in, in chapter one, and you will see it at the end of this presentation, where this uh, cycle helps us identify our real emotions, our real needs, our real thoughts, our real behaviors and patterns. Because Sometimes we start feeling pain, and as we were saying before, instead of dealing with the pain and what's causing it, we distract ourselves and we drink, or we go out and we, and we gamble, uh, or we engage in unhealthy behaviors like many, many addictions. And of course, uh, something that helps us a lot, and we talk a lot about this during the, the one-day training and you will find it in the chapters in the book, is an awareness of how my energy is invested. Some of us have such a hard time dealing with our own emotions that we decide to, to focus on other people's needs or on other people's problems. And we try to control them. We try to tell them how to live, what to do, what not to do. And we're not taking care of what we need to change in ourselves. So this is uh, a big, big deal in the book, in the program. It's self-control versus trying to control others. If you think about it, you will see how the more you concentrate on you, on controlling what you can, you're managing your emotions, your thoughts, your behaviors, you will feel better and you will start to surround yourself with people that are also healthier. So in the book, we talk about mirrors and magnets, how we uh, relate to people that are similar to us, that we feel complete us, but sometimes we do it with, for the wrong reasons. So paying attention, no? because when we do it for the right reasons, we exchange knowledge, we exchange emotions, but when it's not a healthy relationship, we start trading, bartering, giving away parts of us that are very hard to recover and to reintegrate to ourselves. 
remember, the closer we are to survival, the fewer the resources we have and the more parts of ourselves that we lose. So what we're saying here is, if I am busy trying to survive, I may do things that I would not do if things were going okay. So I may stay in a violent relationship. I may stay uh, in an unhealthy environment because I need to survive. In the book and during the training, we talk about how to identify. We do a lot of exercises to identify those parts that I have given up or that I have bartered and to find out why I did it and whether I still need to do it because that's another thing. We talk about these creative adaptations where we say maybe when we were kids we learned that uh, by hiding when uh, things got bad at home my dad wouldn't beat me up and my mom would not yell at me. So hiding was a good resource. But as an adult I don't need to do that but every time my wife gets angry, I go and hide in the closet. So that doesn't work anymore. Or it might work in some situations, but not always. So it's learning how I learned it, how it was helpful, whether it is helpful now, and when it is helpful. So it's a pretty, pretty good exercise that, that you can do. And of course, as, as we go through this process of awareness, of responsibility, of identifying those patterns, we are uh, realizing as well that we all lose things in our lives, that we are constantly experiencing different kinds of losses at different points. So we can talk about losing someone uh, by death, divorce, uh, people lose their jobs, they lose their homes, there's a lot of losses that can be material, they can, they can be emotional, and they hurt. They hurt a lot. And sometimes we're so busy, again, just surviving, that we do not process our losses in a healthy way. And that starts affecting us, it starts affecting our relationships, and it starts affecting the way we uh, are in the world and the way we relate to others. So very important to identify those losses and deal with them. I was um, giving an example at a training the other day, and I said, well, sometimes even if it's a perceived loss, say you're um, getting out of work and you get to your car and you find that you don't have your wallet. That reaction, that first impression is that, oh my God, I don't have my wallet and my credit cards and my IDs, and now I'm going to have to report and I'm going to have... So we go through all these thoughts of all the things that can go wrong because of this loss. But if we take the time to breathe and to stop and to say, okay, I'm going to look again, and I go through my purse again, and I find my wallet, you say, ah, oh, it was not lost after all. So it's realizing uh, and being aware of all the things that go through my mind when I have a perceived loss, or I am anticipating that I may lose something, and when I actually lose something that was dear to me and important to me. All those things we do during the training, you will find all those strategies and techniques in the book as well. So if you see many losses, many kinds, some losses may be uh, not as important, some may be really significant. The thing here that I want to, to remind you because I'm sure you already know, 
is that for some, a loss may be the, the most horrible thing, and for some it may not. Have you ever seen a little boy walking down the street with a balloon, and then for some reason the balloon flies away? For that little kid, at that moment, losing that balloon is the worst experience in his life. And as adults, we may say, oh, come on, I'll buy you another one. But that moment, we need to really be there for them and say, I am so sorry it happened. So they can process the loss and then you may go and buy another balloon or just, you know, forget about it. And as we are saying, uh, as we go through our lives and as we relate to our family members, to friends, to people at work, to partners, we are... Um, giving up or giving, sharing parts of ourselves. And the important thing is, what is it that I am willing to give in order to have company or to feel that I belong or to feel that I fit in? Uh, during this program, uh, the book will tell you that we have um, this tendency to create stories about ourselves so that we can be with somebody else. Some of us talk about destiny and say, oh my God, this is the person I have been waiting for all my life and all the things that have to happen for us to be together today. And some others say, well, it just had to happen and he was there and I needed somebody um, to take care of me or take care of my children. So it's being aware of what is the story that, that is behind my reason to relate to some somebody. Uh, in the book, in this chapter, you will find many examples, as I was saying before, uh, about mirrors, magnets, um, the way we compensate, the way we um, give up a part of ourselves to be with others. And this is an example here. This is called Cartman's Triangle, where we play different roles. We become rescuers, abusers, victims at some point. If we are not aware of our needs, of what we really want, of how I really feel, how I am behaving, it is easy to fall into triangles like this that are very unhealthy, where in order for me to have you, I will play the victim and tell you that without you, I cannot survive. And the other person will play the rescuer and feel guilty if they leave you. Uh, in addictions, we see this a lot. A person that comes home drunk, hits the wife, um, that becomes the victim for a moment, um, and then the next morning when, when the person that had been drinking has a hangover, the victim becomes the abuser because she says, you see how you treat me, you are going to hell for this, blah, 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 but then at the same time rescues the person. So if you see, it becomes very complicated, um, and if we are not aware, we play these roles constantly. So in this chapter, we talk about ways to not get into the triangle at all, or being aware of when I'm starting to play these roles and how to stop it and get out. So pretty interesting. And um, when we were writing this part, it was like, oh, my God, I played these roles at some point in my life. And I have to be aware all the time to make sure that I don't play those roles again and that I don't get into relationships with people that like to live within a triangle like this. And of course, there's a, a, a part in the book, in the training, where we talk about, okay, now I am aware of the things that I have lost, 
the parts of me that I have bartered or given up, the resources that I never developed. I know now how I relate to others. I know how I choose to use my energy. So now we're talking about putting all these puzzle pieces together again and saying, how can I reintegrate? How can I uh, get rid of that emotional trash that I don't need anymore? How can I leave behind all those chains that I don't need to be dragging so that I can come up as a whole person and a healthy person? And of course, when when we do that, and this is very important, we are not talking about being perfect. We are not talking about, I, I like to call it the uh, finished product syndrome, because some of us say, okay, I'm there. I went through therapy. I have gone through all this process. Now I don't need to do anything else again. I think that's the, the moment when we start to die, when we don't want to grow anymore. Um, and as we go through change, we are going to go back to our old habits because they used to work. And that's what I know. And even if I'm not very happy, I know how to handle them. Some people stay in, in bad relationships because they know how to handle that. Some people learned as kids that love was violent, that love was about screaming and yelling and, and hurting. And they are now learning that love can also be gentle and kind. But as they go through that process, they tend to go back to a a negative relationship because that's what they know. It's not that they want it. It's that that's what they can handle. So with support, with these uh, techniques, with these strategies that you will find in the book or during the training, you will be able to be aware of when you're going back to those uh, habits that are more harmful and how to get back in track. In addition, we talk about lapses and relapses. So the same thing with change, with emotional change and building your emotional resources. It's about being aware of when I'm going back to those uh, old habits and behaviors and saying, I can change it right now. I have been doing this again for a couple of days. I'm going to stop. And it's funny how that happens because it becomes a new habit that takes place for the old one. So it does work. And of course, when we are going through change, this is something that I always tell my clients in therapy, that I tell um, students or participants when we're doing this training, is when you choose to change, please let people around you know. Otherwise, you're going to take them by surprise and they don't know what to do. It's scary. And it may make them angry or they will not recognize you. And as we say in, in the constructs of bridges or getting ahead, as we grow, as we change, we lose people, uh, at least temporarily. People don't know how to deal with us anymore when we are not willing to get into these uh, games of playing victim or rescuer or abuser. They don't know how to relate to us anymore. So we have to tell them, hey, I'm trying to change, and this is how I'm trying, and maybe you want to change with me. Uh, Sometimes they will not be ready, they will not be willing, and that's painful, but you will see that along the way as you walk forward, 
you will find people who are on the same road as you. They are also trying to change. They are also trying to, to learn new habits, new ways of being in the world. And you won't feel so lonely anymore. I hope I'm not going too fast, guys, and, and that this is making sense to, to you. We'll, we'll take a look at all the questions and comments, and I'll be happy to clarify. Um, of course, uh, the process to reintegrate ourselves is to identify my losses, how they affected me, uh, to identify those patterns, as we said, um, and to change them if I choose to. And of course, find patterns that are healthier for me. It's uh, sometimes as, as we're going through the process, I've seen it with um, addictions, for example, or violence. Um, people choose to stop using, uh, you know, cocaine, for example, but they start smoking or eating a lot. So we're substituting one with another, but both are not uh, are as unhealthy, if you will. So. Through the process of reintegration, he's saying, okay, I stopped using this uh, drug and I started smoking. Maybe now I can stop smoking as well. I don't need crutches anymore. I can substitute for healthy food. I, instead of shopping, I can talk to a friend. I can generate new networks uh, of support. So it's thinking, what would I like to look like? It's creating this future story that we talk about so much and saying, do I see myself healthier? Um, do I see myself in a better place, having a, a better relationship with my children, with my husband, my wife? And once you see yourself like that, there's a wonderful exercise that we do during the training so you can visualize it very clearly. Um, so once you know where you want to be, you can now make a plan and go step by step so that you can work the plan. Sometimes we want to do it overnight. It doesn't happen. It took us many years to learn a bad habit. It turns, I mean, it takes a while to learn a new one that is healthier. So be patient with yourselves. Be kind to yourselves and to others. It takes time, but it does happen. It is painful at times. It is frustrating at times, but it will pass and you will feel so much better. Real change is about, remember, awareness. This is our big, big word in this program, in this model. It's about taking responsibility of my actions, my thoughts, my emotions. It's about substituting behaviors that are no longer needed. It is about commitment, commitment with that change with myself and saying, it doesn't matter if I fail today, if I feel that I failed, it's just a process of change. And at the end, I will find myself, as in this slide, no, being this wonderful butterfly that is ready to fly and be free. And that happens only with practice and practice and practice. You will find the things that, that you can do differently. You can find the things that you no longer want to do or that are not working for you. And in the end, you will see what really works for you and for the people around you. So awareness and responsibility two big words. And the result is that I can start feeling good. I can start recovering my energy and myself. By self, we mean my whole being. My emotions will be more balanced. My behaviors will be healthier. My thoughts will not turn against me. We talk about this in the book a lot. We say how positive thinking can help me. 
we talk about how gratitude can change the chemistry in the brain. It really changes it. So one of the suggestions we have is to think about things that we are grateful for. This is a great exercise to do, of course, by yourself. Write it down or do it with a family. So no matter how bad the day was, at the end I can say, you know what? We woke up and we're alive. We are together and we're thankful for that. Or we had food on the table or I was able to talk to my friends. I was able to do my work. Anything. We're not talking about huge things. We're talking about the little things that make your life worth living. So teach your children that. There's a lot of strategies in the book as well. And remember, it's one step at a time, one piece at a time. Don't try to do the whole thing at once. Pick up uh, or, or pick a topic or an issue that you want to work on and, and concentrate on that. And then you can work on the next one and the next one. And sometimes they all come together. And by solving one issue, you can use the same strategies, the same tools to solve many others. And if you see, this is the cycle of awareness that we were talking about was created by Zinker. And it's being aware of our sensations, uh, knowing what it is that I want, that I need. And we do this by understanding what I feel and what I think. And it's being able to make a plan to get a satisfier that is healthy. So if I'm feeling lonely, if my body, my sensations tell me that what I feel is loneliness, instead of smoking or overeating, what I will do is call a friend and say, hey, let's go out for a cup of coffee. Let's go out for a walk. It's being aware of what I truly, truly need, not what I may think I need or what I am used to doing not to feel lonely. And finally, some of the gifts that we have uh, for this work that we have done, we're talking about nine chapters that can be done if you're working with your group, uh, can be done, you know, perhaps two sessions per chapter, one session. You can have people work on the exercises at home and then bring them and share them with the group. Uh, if you're doing it by yourself, as we said, it's completely self-paced. We uh, suggest that you go in order, chapter 1 through 9. But as, as we said at the beginning, when you open it, whatever it opens, it will have a message for you that will help you. And by working with these exercises, we start feeling more relaxed. We start feeling that our energy is higher and that we use it uh, in a better way. Uh, we feel tired at the end of the day if we had to do a lot of physical work, but our minds and our souls feel very different. It's a, it's, a, it's a different kind of tired. We're not exhausted emotionally. We have less traffic in our heads. No, We, we are less busy thinking the, about the what ifs and concentrating on, I am going to, to do this, to change, to improve my health, physical, emotional, and my relationships with others. Remember that a good head and a good heart are the best combination. So we're not telling you to concentrate only on your thoughts or only on your emotions. It's about everything. It's about your sensations, your body that tells you what you need. It's about the thoughts that you have about yourself, about others. Sometimes we grow up with people who put in a lot of garbage in our brains, in our hearts, 
And once we are aware, we can choose to just get rid of them and say, you know, I'm a, I'm a worthy person. I am valuable and I have a lot to give. I have a lot, a lot to share. And I'm a, I'm a positive person. If you're not yet there, just keep saying it and keep trying some of these exercises. And you will find that one morning you will actually believe that you are this wonderful person you already are. And, um, well, just to finish the, the workshop uh, contents, as, as we were saying, will provide these uh, strategies and tools for change. You will be able to practice some exercises that help you develop awareness of your emotions and your thoughts and your feelings. And you will learn about yourself and about others. How, how is it that you choose to use your energy and what weakens you, what makes you strong, what makes you feel good. And of course, how relationships can make you or break you. So it's identifying your real thoughts, your real needs, and learning from your negative and your positive experiences. Sometimes they say that you have to go back in time and really suffer and, and to process all these experiences you had since you were three. Sometimes you don't have to do that. Sometimes you don't have to bring those things uh, back. Sometimes you do, though. You have to bring them to the present, deal with them as the adult you are today, and just close. We, we call them unfinished business. See uh, somebody, Edwina, saying it will be helpful for working with homeless people. Of course it will. I mean, um, we're talking about human beings here, and no matter a situation, we all feel, we all need, and we all have things that we, that we can change. And of course, in combination with uh, getting ahead, um, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful tool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, if you're familiar with bridges and getting ahead, you know, we talk about resources and, and this specifically, obviously, we're talking about emotional resources, but it's, it's a great tool for examining that. Exactly. And, and as, as people go through the program or through the model, um, what happens is that I, I had some getting ahead participants um, at our last conference asking about that and saying, I am going through all the, the, the modules and I'm really enjoying it. But sometimes I feel so angry, I don't know what to do with that, or I feel so frustrated and so sad. So this training is about that. It's about um, helping people deal with those emotions. So we're not saying control yourself and don't deal with them. We're saying be aware of them and manage them in a healthy way. You have a right to your emotions. You have a right to feel that things are not going well for you. And you have also the right to say, I can, I can do better. What else do we have? Uh, we're talking about adults here, um, you know, 17, 18 and, and up. Uh, we are working on developing the one for children, uh, you know, yeah. K through 12. Um, there are a, a section devoted to, to recognizing, okay, this is a little bit out of my depth and I need to uh, call in the experts. We do that during the training. Uh, the book specifically says this is not uh, to do therapy or to identify those, those sort of things. But I would say if you have a person that is feeling distressed, that is uh, acting in, in an odd way, perhaps having uh, thoughts that don't sound 
as, as natural as you would think. Trust your gut. If, if you feel that they are feeling too distressed, if they are uh, crying too much, things like that, uh, make sure that you have that list of resources and that you say, hey, this is, uh, these are the people that can help you. I sometimes suggest that you even help them make the call. If they are really, really distressed, of course, um, well, it might be a good idea to have a person in the group uh, accompany them to the ER or, you know, to the professional that, that you have in your list. Mm -hmm. So anything that doesn't feel right to you. Okay, now you're done getting ahead, do this, but I think it's it's certainly a, a valuable tool if we're trying to address emotional resources and yes. working with getting ahead graduates. I know a lot of times there's sort of a feeling of, okay, I'm done with getting ahead, but I love this sort of weekly group that I've got. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, some of the getting ahead participants that were with us during the conference said that they thought this might help as part of the sessions of getting ahead or as a compliment to say, okay, we're done with our uh, 16 sessions. Now let's, let's do these together. So it can be done either way. Um, the thing is don't, um, as long as, as it doesn't turn overwhelming in terms of information and then this session, just try to do it in a way that you have a, a good space to work with them. And I'm, I'm seeing another comment here um, about whether or not uh, this would be within your um, expertise. So again, uh, remember, this is not about doing therapy, uh, unless, of course, you are a, a professional therapist, psychologist, etc. This is about giving tools to people to identify what, what it is that they need to change, go through the exercises. But during the training, we will give you some tools to identify symptoms uh, or signs more than symptoms that, that can help you say, hey, let's just, uh, you know, leave the room for a moment, take a break, and find some help. So I know it can be scary, but it, if you learn how to identify those signs, you will also learn how to refer and how to contain those persons. No, we usually tell you, have someone in the group, maybe if you have a co-facilitator, if you have someone that you know well, they can be the, the person to help you if someone is feeling too stressed out or, you know, it's again, as I said, having some uh, exaggerated reactions, that person can help you, you know. Um, and thanks again for joining us here. Thank you, Amelia. I appreciate your time as well. Thank you, uh, everybody, for, for being here. It's, it's always humbling and wonderful to see how many people care about others. Uh, I think that's the way we save the world. So thank you so much. This has been an AHA Process webinar podcast. Visit ahaprocess.com for more. Royalty-free music courtesy of sound.com.